Multiply Church, how we doing this morning? Everybody feeling good? That's what I'm talking about. Hey, couple couple of announcements before we get started. Uh, one, one, one's not really an announcement. It's just making people aware of what happened last week. So last week you saw the fire truck outside. You saw our kids playing in the foam. We had a back to school bash. All the kids had a good time. But I need to call someone out because I think Autumn Moyer had more fun than all the kids combined. So she was outside running through the foam with all the kids. Uh, But we just wanted to take a a moment just to acknowledge all of the individuals that serve in our kids' ministry. Man, look at the names on the screen. Could you just give those guys a round of applause? Listen, if you're looking for a place to serve here at Multiply Church, our kids' ministry is a great place to get involved. Uh, So we just wanted to say thank you to all of the individuals serving in our kids' ministry. Another quick announcement. We have our men's retreat coming up this week. We're leaving Thursday. We'll be gone Thursday, Friday, coming back Saturday. Listen, if you're in the room, if you're not going on the trip, uh, man, pray for us and with us. We have 50 guys going up to Black Mountain. We're excited for that trip for that day. And then one other announcement that I need to make, I need you guys to put down September 3rd on your calendars, September 3rd, because that's the day that we're celebrating our six-year anniversary. We're excited for that, but we're only going to have one service at 10 a.m. So if you show up early, then you get to help us set up. If you show up late, you're just going to be late for church, all right? So make sure you know that we have one service at 10 a.m. September the 3rd. So we've been in our summer series going through the book of Romans And I've told you each and every week, our job as communicators is very simple going through the Bible. I know that when we say we're going to go through a chapter a week, I can't get through the entirety of the chapter. And there's going to be some verses that I leave out that I can't dive into. But our job is to set you on the direction of discovery that you could go back maybe the week prior and read the chapter or, or stay with us as we're reading the chapters. I talked to, to Brian and Jacqueline Vaughn yesterday and they said uh, during this series, they've been excited to go through the book of Romans together as a couple before they even come to church to kind of understand what's going to be taught talked about that week. And, and so today we're going to be in Romans chapter 11. Now, before we, before we dive into the chapter, I'm going to go ahead and tell you up front that today is less of a three-point sermon and more of a roadmap. So we're going to be traveling through scripture today. We're going to be connecting some dots and, and we're going to see how this promise of God is fulfilled in Romans chapter 11, but how he set it all the way up in the Old Testament. Now, before we dive in, I'm going to backtrack a bit. And we've discovered that in Romans 1 through 8, Paul thoroughly convinced us about man's need and God's glorious provision of salvation through Jesus Christ. So we're all on the same playing field that Romans 1 through 8, Paul expresses that humanity has fallen and they needed a savior. And then when we get to Romans 9, 10, and 11, what we've identified is that Paul starts to lay out God's plan of salvation. So 1 through 8 was very clear that we needed help. And 9, 10, and 11 is Paul laying out the way that God extends that help. Now, Pastor Manny and Pastor Judah preached through Romans 7 and Romans chapter 8. And those were really some pillar chapters of setting up 9, 10, and 11. Chapter 7 was this resounding anthem of God delivering humanity from sin. That we're all fallen. We all have sin regardless of who we are, regardless of how much money's in our bank account or not, regardless of our title, regardless of the jobs we've started and sold, regardless of the banking industry that we work in or the mortgage industry that we work in, regardless of the construction industry that we work in. God, God has told humanity that we're all sinners. We all need grace. 
And then chapter 8 reminds us that there's no condemnation in Jesus. And man likes to point the finger. And man likes to call out perceived sin. But, but God reminds us, or Paul reminds us through his writing, that there's no condemnation in Jesus. That the law wasn't written for salvation because nobody can keep the law perfectly. There was only one person that kept the law, and his name was Jesus. Now, Jesus himself said, I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish the law. So we as Christ followers know that the law is good. It's supposed to point us to the person of Jesus. But we're not called to keep the law perfectly. Why? Because we can't do it. We're human. And so he goes on to say that the law exposes sin, but it upholds the holiness of God in chapter 8. And now at the end of 8, Paul leaves us at this epitome of glory when he says nothing can separate us from God. He says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In verse 38 and 39, Paul puts this seal of the fate of humanity. And he says this, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor the powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Romans 9, 10, and 11, Paul is, is showing us how all of this is possible. Now in chapter 9, Paul's starting to address that religious skeptic. And in Romans chapter 10, we talked about this last week, that, that the importance of being a witness is for both domestically and internationally. It's not just something that we do across the ocean. It's something that we have to do at home as well. But Paul says this in chapter 10. He says, how can someone call on Jesus if they don't believe in Jesus? And how can they believe in Jesus if they haven't heard about Jesus? And how can they hear about Jesus if someone doesn't tell them about Jesus? And how can someone tell them about Jesus if they haven't been sent? So this idea of sending individuals out from the church to explain the message of Jesus Christ, now that we're caught up a bit, we're going to dive into chapter 11. Now, Romans chapter 11 is this history lesson of God's plan for salvation for both the Jew and the Gentile. Now, I told y'all, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up going to church. So when I made my way to Bible college, I would sit in class and the professor would say, turn to this book of the Bible and this verse. And I would always look to the per I kid you not, er the first semester of my college career, I was like a sponge soaking everything in, but I had no idea what was going on. So the professor would say, hey, turn to this book of the Bible. We're going to talk about the Jews and the Gentiles. And I'm going, all right, that's cool. One, what page is that on? Two, what's a Jew? Three, what's a Gentile? And I don't know about you, but there's times that I read through scripture and I'll read about these tribes. I'll read about the Moabites or I'll read about the Jesusites. And I'm like, it's really cool. Were they from the South? Like, I don't, like, who are they? Anybody else in the room? And you're like, if I just understood who they were and where they came from, maybe I would understand the context of Scripture. Maybe I would understand the context of what's going on. So today, again, we're going to connect some dots and we're going to dive in. And so what I love about our church is we have people in this church that have been following Jesus longer than I've been alive. But we also have people in this church that have been following Jesus for about 12 seconds. And so I want to lay some groundwork. And, and the groundwork is, is very simple. That a Jew is anyone who belonged to one of the original 12 tribes of Israel. And a Gentile was everybody else. 
All right, so we've got, we've got equal playing ground. Jews, everyone born of the 12 tribes of Israel, Gentiles, everybody else. So now that we've established these working definitions, the Israel, the Jews, they're God's chosen people. And we learn about that in the Old Testament. And, and there's this resounding question in Romans chapter 11 that Paul starts to address. Again, he's, re- he's addressing these religious skeptics. He's addressing Israelites. And he says this, has God rejected his own people? And Paul explains that God's rejection of Israel is because they rejected him. I don't know if you've ever read scripture and been confused because I have. And I read in the Old Testament and I read about God hardening the hearts of Israel. And I read about God hardening the hearts of Pharaoh. And there's, there's two separate stories. But, but we read this language and it's like, did did God truly harden the heart of people? What, what is the context? What does the original Hebrew show us? And the original Hebrew is very clear that God himself didn't harden the hearts of people. He didn't harden the heart of Pharaoh. He just gave Pharaoh over to the desires of his heart. He didn't harden the hearts of the Israelites. He gave them over to the desires of their heart. So in essence, what he did, he says, Israel saying, hey, God, we want this, we want that. And and God's looking at the Israelites saying, no, you don't. That's not for you. That's not good for you. But I'll give you over to the desire of your heart. And he watches this nation of Israel turn from him. But that rejection of Israel, scripture tells us, is only partial and temporary. Because Romans chapter 11, verse 26, Israel at large will eventually accept Christ as their Messiah and Savior. What we know about about the Israelites is they believed in God. They just didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They, They were so close to the truth, yet so far away. And Romans chapter 11, verse 26 says that Israel at large will eventually accept Christ as their Messiah and Savior. But the question that many Jews wrestle with, especially especially throughout Scripture, is this. How could God die and save those unclean Gentiles? How could God send a man who was his son to die for someone who's not even following the law? Because again, in the minds of the Israelites... The law was the gospel. And as long as we kept the law, we would work our way into heaven. But Paul is addressing this concept that you can't work your way into heaven. That you only get into heaven by faith. Christ himself said, I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish the law. So the problem that we've done in society, especially within the the church culture, is we've put the law on one side and faith on the other. And we've said, you have to follow this law to get into heaven. And Jesus says, listen, I I came came to to fulfill the law. It's, It's good. I didn't come to get rid of it. But that's not the way that you get into heaven. Paul writes throughout Romans that the way that we get into heaven is to believe in our hearts and to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. So what's the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law is to show us our sin and point us to God's holiness. The law is valid, but it's the law and faith. Now, if we're not careful, if we don't study the book of Romans, especially 9 through 11... In our piousness, we can inadvertently ask the same questions 
to our modern culture and society. How could Jesus save and forgive someone on death row for murder? How could Jesus possibly save and forgive a drug addict? How could Jesus possibly save and forgive a person who had an abortion? How could could Jesus save and forgive someone who committed adultery? And we ask these questions in society. So let's start this direction of discovery today. And we'll start in Romans chapter 11, verse 1. I'll read it. Paul says, I asked then, did God reject his people, meaning the Israelites? And he responds, by no means. He's saying, "I, I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. So Paul in this moment is establishing, I'm an Israelite. I believe in the law. I believe that it's good. I believe in the writings about God. I believe in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm one of you. Verse 2, did God reject his people whom he foreknew? Don't you know what scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he appealed to God against Israel. Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I'm the only one left. I don't know if you've ever felt like that in your workplace. I'm the only one following Jesus. And they're trying to kill me. So, evidently, some of y'all feeling that in the workplace. <laughs> me too, and I'm a pet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, Manny. And what was God's answer to them? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed a knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. So the first stop on our map is very clear that God is great in mercy and in grace. I identified the difference between grace and mercy a couple weeks ago. But grace is God giving us something that we don't deserve. And mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. God is great in mercy and in grace. And, and even, though, even though some will believe and some will have their hearts hardened or being, be given over to the desires of our heart, God is still a God of mercy and grace. We've mentioned for several weeks that there's nothing you can do to earn this gift of love and salvation. Again, the law is good. We need the law because the law shines a spotlight on our sin and it also shines a spotlight on the holiness of God. We need the law. The law exposes us. But Jesus accepts us. Even when we're exposed. But not much has has changed with humanity as a whole because throughout Israel's history, doubt and unbelief had crippled them with their relationship with God. And our own doubt and unbelief, our relationship with God is also crippled. But the, the promise of God that Paul writes about is found in Romans eleven eleven. He says this, again I ask, did they stumble so far beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, because of the Israelites' transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. God made salvation available and possible for all people. For Jews and Gentiles, for everyone born of the 12 original tribes and everybody else, all y'all, all yous guys, all youans, whatever y'all say in the north because y'all are weird. <laughs> all y'all, we're in the south, so we're saying y'all today. You, you, yous all, yous guys, weirdos. <laughs> Let's not put that online. <laughs> Romans chapter 11, verse 17. If some of the branches have been broken off and you, 
though a wild olive shoot had been grafted in among others, and now you share in the nourishing sap that's in the olive root. Paul, Paul is using this agricultural context to paint this picture that the Jews are, are part of the original root, but the Gentiles have been grafted in, and many of you have probably heard messages on this grafting in of Gentiles. Let, let me try to color those lines in for you. Anybody ever watch Karate Kid? Got some Karate Kid fans? I, like, I, got, I saw some smiles and some head nods. Uh, this will make you feel old. The original Karate Kid will be 40 years old next year. When I saw that, I was like, ain't no way. That means I'm getting really close to 40, and I don't like that. But in Karate Kid 3, you have, you have Daniel's son, and he's down by this riverbed. He gets on this rope, and he lowers himself down. And he's with the female character. I forget her name, but, but one of the kind of the antagonists in, in the third movie, his name was Mike Barnes. And Mike untied the rope and threw it down to Daniel's son. He's like, you're not getting up back up the mountain. And he's like, you got to help us. And, and so eventually they climb up. Mike Barnes helps Daniel's son and the, the female up the mountain. And he says, before we let you all the way up, give me the bonsai tree. And Danielson's like, no, that's why I went down there. I'm not get, and this is Zach Witt's version, by the way. No, I'm, not giving you the, I'm not giving you the bonsai tree. And he like, acts like he's going to drop the rope. He's like, okay, okay. And he hands over the bonsai tree, and Mike Barnes takes it, and he rips it in half. And this bonsai tree is, is split down the middle. Danielson takes the, the bonsai tree to Mr. Miyagi. And Mr. Miyagi says, it's okay. And he wraps it back up. He said it'll survive because the root is strong. The only way that Gentiles have been grafted into the family of Christ is because the root is strong and the root is and will always be Jesus. Why can Israelites and why can the Gentiles, why can the Jews and the Gentiles be, be together as one? It's because the root is strong. So our second stop on our journey today is this, that Jesus, the anchor of our salvation, is strong, steadfast, and secure. But let's circle back to Jews and Gentiles. A Jew was anyone that was born of the 12 tribes of Israel, and a Gentile is non-Jewish or someone who's not born of the 12 tribes. So where do we see this actually play out in Scripture? Because when I read Romans chapter 11, verse 25, it reads like this, I don't want you to be ignorant of the mystery, brothers and sisters, including everyone, so that you may not be conceited, Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. So Paul is expressing his awe of God and reflects on the fact that God's wisdom and judgment in regards to his plan for salvation are far beyond Paul's own comprehension. He says his, his ways are higher than, than our ways. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. And I'm going to read this again at the end of service. But he says, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgment and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? It's rhetorical questions that Paul's asking. Who has ever given to God that God should have to repay them? Again, rhetorical question. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory and forever. And he ends by saying, amen. And anytime we see amen in scripture, it's an identification of let it be so. Let it be so. Paul calls out the remnant of Israel and he calls out the engrafting of the Gentiles into this blessing of salvation. And he says, all of Israel will be saved. 
So in that instance, we see God's mercy and grace, not only on Israel, but all the Gentiles as well, all of humanity that choose to believe in Jesus. So our our third stop is that God's chosen people started with a promise. To understand the magnitude of being grafted in, to understand the magnitude of everyone being accepted, we have to go all the way back to its origination story. And its origin story is very simple. It's found in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. And I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All people. Not just the Jews. Not just the Gentile, all people who choose to believe in the name of Jesus. See, this promise was passed down from Abraham to Isaac and from Isaac to Jacob. What was Jacob's name changed to? Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Why is that important? He's the father of the 12 tribes of Israel or the Israelites, the Jews. So it was extended to the Israelites from Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob. So Jew and Gentile, all people will be saved. Well, how do we get to this idea of all people? The Savior of the world, that the Messiah, that Jesus, we know through Scripture that Jesus was going to come through the lineage of Abraham, but how did God make it work out? How did he make it happen? What I love about the Bible is is somebody, uh, an author doesn't just write something to write it, but he writes it because he can back it up. And he writes it to connect the dots. So our fourth stop on the map is this. The promise was given to the Israelites but extended to the Gentiles even in the Old Testament. This wasn't some type of New Testament promise or or New Testament fulfillment. It was something that was established in the Old Testament even after the Israelites had been cast out by the Gentiles. And you say, Zach, what are you even talking about? told you this is more of a journey today we're on this this map today so if i could dive into it to understand it we have to go all the way back to the book of ruth but before we go back to the book of ruth i have to give you some historical context because we know that ruth was a moabite what's a moabite i told you at the beginning of service y'all ever google what is a moabite what is a jesuite i'm like all right well what's a moabite So I started diving into this stuff. I started researching it a bit. Where where are Moabites even found in the Bible? We see Moabites mentioned in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 3 through 5. And scripture says this, No Ammonite or Moabite or or any of their descendants may enter into the assembly of the Lord, not even in the tenth generation, for they did not come to meet you with bread and water on your way out when you came out of Egypt. And they hired Balaam, son of Beor, from Pertha and Armam to pronounce a curse on you. However, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but turn the curse into a blessing for you. Because the Lord, your God, loves you. So who are the Moabites? We see the Israelites leave Egypt. They're passing by all these tribes, and they're passing by all of these Gentiles. They're passing by all of these other people. And the Moabites say, y'all pass on by. We don't want to have anything to do with you. We're not going to give you bread. We're not going to give you water. We're not going to let you rest here. Pass through our land. We don't have, want to have anything to do with you. They completely rejected Israel. 
But then we keep reading three books later in the book of Ruth. And this is what we read after the death of Ruth's first husband. Ruth chapter 1 verse 16. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn my back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and my God, your God will be my God. So let me color those lines in for you. Ruth, in this instance, is talking to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Now, Ruth was a Moabite. She was a Gentile. Naomi was an Israelite. So Ruth looks at her mother-in-law, Naomi, and she simply says, your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. That God that you follow, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and, and the God of Jacob, don't, don't make me turn from you. Don't make me go back to my tribe. Don't make me go back to my past. Don't make me go back to where I've come from. Your people will be my people, and, and your God will be my God. And then we continue reading in the story, and fast forward to Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. And we're introduced to this man that Ruth marries after the death of her first husband. And it was this distant relative of Naomi. And this distant relative, his name was Boaz. And Boaz was from the tribe of Judah. So he was from one of the original 12 tribes. He was an Israelite. And he marries this Moabite woman. Why is that important? continue to connect some dots. Who were the parents of Boaz? Well, the parents of Boaz were Solomon and Rahab. Where do we see Rahab? Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and they stayed there. What do we know about Rahab? Rahab was a prostitute that was part Canaanite and part Israelite, not fully accepted by either tribe. She was an outcast. Now we go to the book of Matthew. Why is that important? Because we see the lineage of Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. What did God do? God used the death of a first husband, the faithfulness of a daughter-in-law. He used a prostitute and the king of a nation, as well as many others, to be the lineage of Jesus, the savior of the world. How does all of this tie into Romans chapter 11? Well, in verse 17, we're told that Jew and Gentile will have a place in the kingdom of God. God set it up from the beginning. He told us about the original promise in Genesis. This is all people. And then Deuteronomy, we see this separation between Jew and and Gentile. But then in the book of Ruth, we see it coming back together. And the beautiful thing about Jesus being a part of this lineage is I was talking to Tom, where are you in here? I was talking to Tom in the lobby just a few minutes ago. 
He's like, it blows my mind. God, God used a prostitute. Here's the crazy thing. How did God, why did God, how could he, how does it even happen? Because when Jesus stepped on the scene, his blood was sufficient for both the past and the future. It wasn't the lineage that brought us Jesus. Jesus fulfilled the lineage. He covered the entire lineage. So we see this idea of Jew and Gentile coming together and then Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. I've been, I've been wrestling with those rhetorical questions the past couple of weeks. Who has known the mind of the Lord? You ever find yourself in a debate with God? <laughs> You feel like you know, you know better than he does. I'm in a season right now where I feel like I gotta, I gotta kind of settle my heart, settle my soul, settle my mouth. God's just like, hey, just, just be silent because my ways are higher and my thoughts are higher and I'm still in control. What, what about that next rhetorical statement? Who has been his counsel? You ever try to counsel God? God, if I were you, I'd make this decision. God, if it were up to me, I, I would do this. God, I know you're pointing me in this direction, but I don't think that's the right direction. I feel like I'm supposed to make this decision or, or I'm supposed to answer this question this way or I'm supposed to make this business deal. And God's like, no, no, no. I'm your counselor. Don't try to counsel me. And, and then we, we, get to, we get to this next statement. Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? That's, that statement, that question, that rhetorical question is important because it points us back to the original statement that I made earlier. We can't earn our way in to heaven. It's only by faith. Who has ever given to God that God should have to repay them? What Paul is saying is, Paul is saying there's nothing you, sh you can give to God that God would have this debt that he has to repay back to you because God's already given it all freely. He's already given grace. He's already extended mercy. He's already given salvation. He's already given it all that even though we try to work our way into heaven, there's nothing that we can do that God would have to repay us. I, I don't know about you, but I, I feel that way sometimes. God, you owe me this because I did this, this, and this. God, I, I serve, you owe me. God, I work in a church, you owe me. God, I, you, you owe me. Why can I, Why am I going through this season right now? God, you owe me. Don't you see the work I've put in? God's like, I don't, I don't owe you because I've already given it all freely. And the beautiful thing, the culmination of this entire chapter is, is he's saying, not only have I given it to some, but I've given it to all. I've given it to the Jew and the Gentile. I've given it to someone who has been following me their entire life. They try to keep the law all the time. And I've also given it to someone who's been following me for 12 seconds. I've given it freely. As we've connected some of these dots today, I hope you realize that, that you don't need to be born into the right family to step into a relationship with Jesus. 
I don't know what type of cards you've been dealt. I don't know what type of hands you're trying to play right now. But I promise you it doesn't matter. I promise you you're holding the winning hand because, because God has already given it all freely. We don't have to fully understand all the law and all the customs. Should we follow the law? Absolutely. But we can't work our way into heaven. And we don't have to act like we're good enough. We don't have to act like we have it all put together. We don't have to come to church feeling like our life is is pieced together perfectly so we can walk through the door. Jesus says, I've already given it all so that you can step in freely. We're called to step into the arms of the Redeemer and that's it. We, We try to make the Bible something that's hard to understand. There are nuances in the Bible. We do have to dive deep, but the same message runs from Genesis to Revelation. There's only one message that I preach every single week. And that message is very simple. That Christ came to give his life that sinners might establish a relationship with God the Father. That's the only message that we preach. So as we stand all across this room and and as we step back into worship for just a moment, man, can we commit to that this morning? Can we say, Jesus, expand our hearts, expand our minds, and expand our souls that we may step into a deeper relationship with you. Let's step back into worship.